Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Andre Hampton. How are you doing today, Andre? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Andre, I am so happy to have you today on the show. And I know that you're out there in Florida. Tell us a little bit about the weather, how you're doing, and tell us about how you look so good in those suits, Andre. Come on now. Um, no, no, no. We have to shoot those in the wintertime, so I don't sweat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the weather's beautiful always in Florida. Um, you know, never, never complain. We complain it gets too hot, but uh, when it gets to be about 70 degrees, we're all freezing cold. So, I mean, you know, go figure. But no, it's beautiful here. It's been warming up quick. All right. And now, and I know I sort of uh, put you on the spot there, but you really do look very good on your website. You've got some designer uh, uh, look uh, about you. You're an incredibly successful financial advisor. But tell us a little bit about your, your focus and, you know, who you serve and, you know, what challenges you solve for them. No, certainly. Uh, you know, our company streams capital. I, I formed this really with the idea in mind that I wanted to help you know entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, small business owners, who really want to take a long term approach. You know, a lot of the things I've been through in my own career uh, really forced me to think long term. That's of course our tagline is smarter in the long run. And we really you know look to help uh, business owners who are planning to sell their business. Um, you know, maybe five years or ten years out. So we start those relationships early. And really just want somewhere, you know, somewhere where the money's going to be protected, safe, that they can, you know, live their lifestyle and not, not worry. Wow. And, and, and Andre, you know, I know I've, I've sort of introduced the success you have today, but it wasn't always like that, was it, right? Um, you shared <laughs> something with me that I think is just, just amazing. Tell us about how you started and how everything kind of became clear to you when you were beaten up. On a bus? How did that happen? <laughs> oh my goodness! Take me, yes. No, that's it. Um, you know, I grew up in, in Kansas, a little tiny small town uh, just south of Barnard, Kansas. And uh, my first day of uh, school, basically, you know, it's kindergarten. I'm getting on the bus that morning, and I did. I got sucker punched, got beat up, called all kinds of names, everything like that. And it took me a little bit. I mean, I learned a lot through that lesson, um, and I didn't even realize that's really what kind of what you know, was driving my why. And so I did a lot of soul searching for that, but. You know, just through that process, you know, I, I, I realized two things that day. You know, one, I was different than everybody else, you know, being mixed race. And the other was apparently we were poor and I just didn't know it. It looks like you learned one other lesson. You didn't want to be beat up anymore. <laughs> That's when I learned about mentorship. I started sitting right behind the bus driver and became very good friends with him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so how did you go from, you know, you know, sort of recognizing that you were from a poor family? And by the way, I really love what you said. You just learned you were poor. Isn't it funny how kids don't know about that? They don't care about poor or rich. And then one day you're like, wait a second, uh, we're poor. <laughs> but tell us, how, tell us how you went from that realization that you're different or that you're poor. You didn't want to be beaten up anymore to the success story that we're looking at today. How did you make that shift? You know, that shift really started then. I became, you know, acutely aware of, you know, wealth and poverty. You know, the house we were in was rented from a wealthy landowner. You know, he was a farmer. Uh, of course, they had the big houses and cars and, you know, just, uh, tractors and go-karts and always they're having fun. Uh, just really great people. So I learned to associate with them uh, just as mentors and, and going through that process. 
And from that, really just staying that course, you know, there's all these, uh, the same troubles in high school, you know, and called names and things like that. Just, you know, I'm like, you know what, let's go do something and not to, not to prove anybody wrong or anything like that, but really just to make sure that I can leave a legacy for my family and then and, and change that course of history. Wow. Tell us a little bit about the clients that you serve today. So anyone who's listening to this, you should know that Andre Hampton is an example of a guy who goes after big ticket clients. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about our conversation. You really help people who have been successful and are looking to exit their businesses and so on. Give us a sense of the profile or the dis- a description of the ideal clients you serve, the challenges that they have when they first meet you. Yeah, certainly. Um, clients we serve, I like working with uh, entrepreneurs. I'm just having that entrepreneur background myself, so I, I definitely respect that and I enjoy those conversations. Um, I really look for clients who are preparing to sell their business, and it's still maybe five or ten years down the road, but they're starting to think through that process of, you know, what does the exit look like? What does it look like? What do we want to leave to our kids? Do we want to leave the business to our kids, or do we want to sell it outright? Um, those types of things. So I like, you know, we start those planning early so we can find some, you know, tax advantage stra- strategies for them. Um, I just, but in entrepreneurs in general, um, there's a lot of tech startups, uh, a lot of that kind of happening here in, in, in Tampa and just really enjoy helping entrepreneurs plan for the long term and making sure that they've got things uh, secured for themselves. You know, and I, I'm aware of the fact that as a financial advisor, you don't talk too much about all kinds of details about certain things uh, because of regulation and so on. But you mentioned something very important. You said tax advantages. Um, in, the, in the client base that you serve, how many people are fully aware, right, of the, the absolute magic that you can perform on the tax side of things? A small percentage. It's normally an educational process. A lot of people don't quite know some of the tools that are out there. They've heard about them and just don't know how we can utilize those to, to create those uh, those scenarios for them. So there, there are tools out there. Uh, there's tools out there that can really help and not necessarily uh, have to be in stock markets to do it, even though I'm, I'm an advisor with that. Um, but there, there are the strategies as long as you uh, think and plan ahead. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, so here we are, you know, you've, you've got these clients who are, you know, got businesses, they, they have an exit strategy they, or you help them with an exit strategy. You also help them with tax advantages and things like that. How much do you help them outside of, the actual business and in the personal and development area of themselves. I mean, what I'm really getting at is, are there mindset issues or belief systems that need to accompany your work in order for them to be successful? Like, what what are those things they have to kind of become in order to be successful with your financial advice? That is, that's really the, the biggest piece of it. I mean, we spend a lot of time building relationships. Uh, there's a lot of clients. I mean, we don't do business normally in the first year. Sometimes it's two or three before we finally get to that point. And it's really just that, uh, you know, you're, you're going through, you're answering questions, you're looking at a long-term scenario. Um, they have to get to a position where they want to accept that, you know, if they're planning to sell their business, a lot of times that's hard for, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs. They become very attached to their business. It's really their baby that they've kind of grown up, and now they're going to sell their baby, you know, if they will. Um, so there's that process they have to go through. But then also, you know, a couple of things. One, realizing that, you know, if they don't plan well early on, that they can run into trouble. Even if they have a successful exit, maybe they've got, you know, $8, $10, 20000000 million. Um, you can still run out of money if you're not smart with that. And the other side of that is really just their, their philosophy, their values, and the legacy that they want to leave to their, their, their children and even their grandkids, so that's carried on. 
Um, you know, a lot of people get concerned or worried that they're going to, you know, damage those children if they give them a lot of money early on, and, and they very well can, especially if they haven't instilled them values, you know, in them themselves. So that's definitely a big piece of it. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. And another big piece of the whole big ticket clients thing is relationships. I heard you say that sometimes it takes a while for you to develop that relationship to get them from, you know, someone who just met you to being confident enough to work with you. How do you navigate relationships? You know, and I ask this because, you know, anyone who's listening to this, right, they're listening to Andre, they know you've been successful, but you've got a lot of struggles that we're not seeing here. How do you manage the relationship process for big ticket clients, you know, to get them from not knowing you, not caring about you to a point where they trust you enough to help manage their financial future? I've learned that it's actually um, really through through things like this, like your podcast, creating that content, uh, which a lot of things that we're working on even now. Um, but even just, you know, you start those relationships early and it's never about sales. Uh, I've learned that, you know, instead of trying to push any kind of a product on somebody, you just start talking to them about their business, their life, their kids, their family, and just nurturing that, uh, finding out how you can add value to them and their businesses. Um, the family offices we start talking to, these are, you know, the guys with, you know, 100 million plus um, portfolios, sometimes multi-billion dollar portfolios. So you actually, that relationship extends to their team. They may have three, four, five, you know, six people on there that they have managing their assets. And that relationship has to extend to them as well. So we just, you know, spend a lot of time with that. I learned in that family office uh, arena, if you will, that it's going to be at least three years before they do business with you, even if they like you, if they, you know, love you, trust you it's going to get flushed out. So I take those same principles and I just apply them everywhere we go. Hey, Andre, uh, can I uh, rent you or borrow you to uh, come teach my course? Because (laughs) what you said is like a textbook description of how you use relationships to grow business. You you knocked it out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you mentioned something in there that I'm curious about. Family office. Now, Some people have probably heard about that. What, what is a family office? How does that fit into, you know, we, have, we've, we know what a financial advisor is. We know, what, we know what trading is. We know what investing is. What's a family office? Family offices are, are they've been around for a long time. I think they've, they've come more into light over the last maybe 10 years, and they're really starting to become a, a force in the market to be, you know, reckoned with. But a family office is essentially a company that runs one person's money. Um, you know, there's a term multifamily offices where they're advisors and they actually may have, you know, eight or 10 different families that they serve and they'll take this to a level where it's more concierge. I mean, they're, they're doing the whole nine with their family, uh, make sure all the bills are paid, you know, doing all that piece, make sure the flights are scheduled, you know, you can take it to that degree, but at its core, a family office really is just a, it's a small company. Sometimes it's just one person, maybe two or three you know, advisors. Uh, that manage one person's money. Uh, it takes a lot to be able to support them and generate the, the returns they need. So you normally don't see that until you get above $100 million in assets. Um, but what I do see is folks who have a lot less than that still want to you know, deploy and, and use some of those, those strategies that these wealthy families are using. So that's where I've kind of bridged that gap in my practice. You know, it's interesting, Andre. Um, one of the things that first drew me closer to learn more about you is the fact that you're an author, you're a thought leader. You've got this concept of smarter in the long run, okay? So everybody wants to be smarter, but what do you mean by smarter in the long run when you talk about your business? 
smarter in the long run for me, it really is just taking that long-term approach. You know, I learned that, you know, by studying the guys who made billions of dollars, studying, you know, all the you know, books, you know, read, uh, learn about, you know, the, the different families that have kind of come up through even the U.S. and even globally, um, they always had a thousand-year view. You know, they didn't think about this week, next week, you know, even their first or second generation. They were thinking about, you know, how do they impact, you know, lives that are multiple generations away, and then they, they act on those. They work backwards. So for me, it's just it's taking that time to learn the relationships, uh, learning where the risk is, how do we identify it, you know, how do we deal with that, planning for, you know, their, their cash requirements, whatever those needs are, um, and just implementing that strategy and then go from there. And a lot of that becomes more values-based. You know, it's more about their values and their, their legacy and their philosophy around money. So we take a long-term approach and really plan for, uh, you know, I think a lot of people today when they're 40 or 60, they think that life's, you know, and it is short, but there's still a lot of life to be left, you know, and they may live to be 80 or 90 or 100 years old, and then their their kids and grandkids. So there's a lot of time to plan for. No, I, I love it. And I couldn't help while you were explaining that, thinking of how one punch in the nose <laughs> on a bus got this little kid <laughs> I got to be smarter in the long run. <laughs> I got to make sure this doesn't happen to me. No, that's that's interesting. Okay, so 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 here we are. Do you have any other favorite stories, uh, maybe about clients that you've helped, and you know, kind of where they started out, and maybe they weren't sure of the future or themselves financially, but you stepped in and made a change. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I've got one uh, one story that really sticks out in my mind, and this was actually from a, a young gentleman. I call him young. You know, he's, he's uh, early 30s at this point, so anybody under 40 is young to me anymore. Um, and he, uh, you know, was very successful in what he was doing. He had built up uh, some assets and had quite a you know nice little nest egg with him. Um, but he called me up, and, and he didn't have kids yet. He wasn't married yet. So he's thinking through all these things as, uh, you know, his legacy and, you know, estate planning and all that, even though there's, you know, he's like, I'm not going to leave this to anybody. I might leave it to my sister or something like that. But for him, it was a goal that he had in mind of he wanted to accomplish a certain number. He wanted to have $40 million in assets by the time he turned 60 years old. So we've got a very short time. I mean, 30 years in, in that aspect is short time. But we were really able to sit down and craft a strategy that would uh, enable him to do that. And um, that's, like I said, that's probably been one of the most impactful ones for me. I wish I had his foresight, and the, you know, his discipline at his age and just really some of the knowledge. So um, I'm seeing that a lot more in some younger clients who are coming up, maybe their parents are business owners and they're gleaning from that, but they're really, they're not afraid to. And I don't know if it's a millennial generation that went through the, you know, the financial crisis and the crash and all that um, that's still stuck with them, but they are very much long-term thinkers um, as short-term minded as they can be with the scrolling everywhere. Uh, when it comes to their finance, I'm seeing a big shift in that. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> I wonder what, what you'd call that generation. Um, is it 30s? What would that be, generation? They're, they're really millennial generation. Are they millennial? That's the millennial generation. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I'm just on the cusp of that one, but uh, I'm still Gen X, but uh, seeing in millennials. I mean, so they, they've got their quirks and I uh, love them, but I've enjoyed working with them on that side. You know, there's, there's a few of them out there that are really doing well. Um, they're just, they're planning, they're smart and they're, they're really thinking long-term what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about marketing because obviously that is kind of at the center, of course, marketing and sales at the center of how anyone would become successful with big ticket clients. 
something that you've walked through. Do you have any favorite, favorite tips or maybe things people should avoid <laughs> um, in the process of marketing to big ticket clients? Um, as opposed to, look, if I'm selling something that's $7, uh, maybe a $7 course, I don't need to worry about any of this relationship building stuff or whatever. Just put, put an ad somewhere on the web and, you know. But, but in your world, what are some practices or tips or tricks that you've come across in marketing and selling to big ticket clients? Uh, certainly. I would say one of the things to avoid, and I see this all the time, is people jump to the point where they really want to push their profile. Um, they want to become known. They're, they're pushing it online, offline, and it's more of a branding message. Let's let everybody know we're here. And they do that before they build the foundation that needs to go behind that. And, and that comes with just really gain, uh, gaining clarity on, on what it is you do, how you do it, you know, why you do it, you know, who you're serving, and then what's the benefit to your clients. And then being able to convey that in a message, you know, in your branding and all your even things down to the font, you know, what types of font you use, the pictures, the colors. There's a lot of thought that goes into that, a lot of trial and error. Um, so I definitely see that as being one of the big mistakes that people make. For me, it was just going through that process, you know, and figuring out, you know, I knew I wanted to be able to help, you know, these clients who are business owners um, and then to go through that process and then to look like, okay, what does that look like if we're going to build trust with them without them ever meeting me yet? You know, so how do we get that out there? Uh, just crafting those messages, um, you know, getting books done, getting blog posts, white papers, content. That's a lot of work in that. Um, it's just, it's not an easy, easy task. It's one a lot of people start and never finish or think about doing. Um, but it's just accomplishing those goals and then really just being the best in the room at what you do. Um, you know, if you're going to serve high ticket clients, they look for specialists. You know, they look for the one person who does one thing extremely well and you've got to master that. And, We've heard that, you know, it's 10 years to master that. And I would say it's 10, maybe 20 years to master that. Um, but just really knowing that that time is going to be involved, planning for it, embracing it, and just uh, running that course. You know, I, I, would, I would agree with what you said. And I want to add something about the 10 years. So 10 years or 10,000 hours or 10 uh, weeks of a course that, <laughs> that you are going to help me teach because you know this stuff. I like that. <laughs> That'll be our teaser, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. okay. So, so let's talk about the don'ts. We've talked a lot about the do's, the things you've done, the things you've enjoyed. As a person is going through their life in their business, um, what are some things you would really caution them not to do when it comes to money? You know, it's kind of a sore subject for a lot of people. You know, what would you say, hey, don't, don't do this because it could get you into trouble. Um, maybe do this instead. I would say that one is, um, you know, don't think that they have to, and this isn't to say that they need to leave their current advisor, but they need to explore those options. They need to have the conversations early. A lot of people are afraid to have that conversation with their advisor. advisor. It almost feels like they're breaking up with somebody. And and through that, they, they want to go through and make sure that the advisor is right for them, that their interests are aligned, and that they're willing to, one, open up and bring in experts. Um, if it's an entrepreneur who's building up a business, they start with, you know, the, you know, the brokerage firm, wherever that's at, as they're building up and, you know, time goes by and their clients, they, you know, they start to outgrow their current advisors, you know, the CPA who, you know, handled all your taxes, stuff like that when you were at, you know, sub 1 million um, may not know what to do when you get a big check for 20, 30, 40 million dollars one day. 
So they need to make sure that they have those conversations early uh, to go through that. One is just not being afraid to, to learn, to educate, um, or just be paralyzed with fear because there's so many options out there when it comes to what are you going to do with this? You know, financial advisors, a million different products. You got just, you know, millions of different stocks, bonds. It's just very confusing. Um, and they think that it has to be a complicated process when really it doesn't. But it does take some time to learn it, educate themselves, and really just not to rush in any decisions. There's, there's no big hurry. Um, a lot of times I've seen that, especially even like on the life and annuity side, folks really try to push that sale because you might die in a car accident tomorrow. <laughs> and, <laughs> I've seen that. And while that's true, I mean – that doesn't. That shouldn't shape or form this long-term decision that needs to be made on what you want to do with this for your, you know, your family and these generations to come. Yeah, you know, let me just tell you why that was really funny to me because, you know, when you were talking about pushy, pushy marketing, and I was thinking about maybe someone sends you an email. You know, those emails that go, "Hey, my name is X Y Z, and I've got a solution to your problem." You know, that's pushy to me. But when you said. <laughs> Some people be like, hey, you're going to die tomorrow. You better get the product now. I'm sorry. No that's, push. That's a little bit, that's a, that's a tough word to, 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 to beat. All right. So, so we're, we're sort of at the point where I, I would love for you to share with us any specific current projects that you're working on or something you're excited about that you want to share. Um, you know, what, what what's... What's what's hot right now that we should know about? You know something Andre's working on. Uh, something I'm working on. The passion project for me is a company, a training company I formed um, just a little over a year ago. It's called Factory One Fourteen, and we have a, a business accelerator program there. And I started this because um, during my journey, you know, just in the financial in the financial services world as a professional services, and this is in real estate uh, advisory firm. I struggled with getting some of these things done in my business. You know, I just, I'd spent a lot of time looking to folks who were successful and how they were able to get their message out and, you know, craft those. Um, but when I looked around, there really wasn't anybody that could help me as far as an accelerator or, or you know, business programs or the college programs. Um, but for, for me as an entrepreneur, it just seemed foreign to think that I'm going to go enroll in a semester or two of college to learn how to be an entrepreneur. It just didn't seem to fit. I wanted mentors. We wanted answers. We need problems solved today. So Factory 114 is that for me. Uh, we've created that program. We've launched our accelerator program, and we're bringing in a, a bunch of different entrepreneurs. And my goal is a little bit self-serving. I hope to help them build where they have that 8 to $10, 20000000 million net worth someday. Uh, of course, that process, we're helping them with those, those pieces as well. But really, it's about them getting their business up, uh, being able to consistently deliver their product or service, whatever that is. And, and, you know, really live the life that people believe that entrepreneurs, you know, do live. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, you're working 100, 120 hours a week, um, you know, cash flows up, down, negative, crap, it's just all the stuff. So it's, the, it's that for me and my heart just really uh, wanted to shorten that, you know, it doesn't have to take 20, 25 years to learn this. Let's get it down to two or three. Here's some tools, tips, tricks, mentors. And that's what we're bringing in here. I love that program, by the way. You, in fact, you've hit on something that is so powerful for building relationships with big ticket clients is educate them, right? Take them outside of the salesy world and help them become better, you know, without asking for anything. And by the way, you have had on your show 
two people that have been on my podcast. You've had Matt Zagula and, yep. and Dantisha Seymour. And I just think that's such a small world. By the way, I consider Matt Zagula a mentor as well. He is a powerful person in your industry. Matt was one of the first ones I looked to when I was uh, really learning how to market myself to higher ticket clients. Um, he did a lot of work. I believe it was Dan Kennedy um, and his uh, marketing guide. So I was just reading a lot of that, trying to study, okay, how do I get this message, message out? And, and Dan mentioned him a few times. So I was able to study and learn from him. So I just, he's um, definitely a mentor as well. And I uh, appreciate that. So I look forward to meeting him in person, actually. Yeah. Now, <laughs> was, did a, she did a panel here uh, with a group um, at our location. And that actually was just a few weeks back. So it was very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Don Ticia, I think she lives in Florida too, if I'm not, maybe she doesn't. She, she has uh, here in Tampa, I believe. Yeah, I believe she is in Florida. Um, but, oh, by the way, we call it big ticket clients up in here, okay? Not high ticket. Yeah, that's high ticket is for, for, for those guys. We call it big ticket clients, right? Big ticket. Yeah, yes, big ticket clients. But no, um, Matt Zagula, Don Ticia, and all the other sort of mentors that you're bringing in, that is such a powerful strategy, um, not only to grow their brands, but also to grow your brand. Um, how have you, so it's, tell us more about it. Like if someone wanted to come visit the factory 114 or they want to be a panelist, how could they do that with you? How would they, how would they make that happen? One, just uh, reach out. We're uh, able to find us online very easily, but uh, just reach out. We'll start those conversations. If they're here local in Tampa, stop by. I'd love to just meet and really kind of find out what those backgrounds are and where people can fit in. Um, so there's a, there's a big mix in the entrepreneur you know, group here. And we're looking for a lot of different mentors that can kind of come in and fill and that have traveled that road and done that. So um, certainly. And, and I want to clear up one thing. Uh, Matt hasn't actually been here. I haven't met Matt, but he's definitely a mentor who I've looked to it, you know, kind of read and studied on and uh, you know, noticed him on the show here. So I definitely don't want to leave that confusion there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. And, and I, I probably added to that confusion myself. But the, the fact is you're looking for mentors who can provide advice and also entrepreneurs who want to learn from these mentors. That's sort of what the factory uh, 114 brings together is, right? Those two groups, right? That's exactly it. The entrepreneurs who are in town, you know, we look for folks who've been probably operating their business, you know, three years or more. It's about the time you start realizing, okay, I need help. I don't have this all figured out. Um, we like to have them been in their industry for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, they have an expertise. They just haven't quite figured out how to, to narrow that down and refine it and then communicate it. And that's what we help with. Okay. So, so, um, could you tell us maybe your top three golden advice nuggets from the Andre Hampton world <laughs> of how we can become successful at landing big ticket clients? Your top three advice nuggets. Top three advice nuggets. Um, I got to start. Number one is that just being the best in the room at what you do. Mm. Uh, you know, there, there's always room in your market for what you're at. A lot of people think that, the, you know, the market's flooded, everything else. But if that's where your passion is, that's what you're good at, then there's room there. There's 7 billion people on the planet now. There's room there for you. So just Although most of them are in India and, and China. <laughs> <laughs> we got, you know, if we're in the U.S., uh, we're three, three, 350 million. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you don't need a whole lot of big ticket clients to do what you need to do if you do there it right. You there you go. <laughs> So really is just taking time to understand the process and, and the time that it will take. That's one thing that I didn't do well at all. Um, you know, I had goals. I wanted to be a millionaire at the time. I was, you know, 22, 25. Okay, 25 comes. Okay, got to do it by 30. Got to do it. 
and while well, you keep pushing that stick out and those those failures they really they start to mess with you so um, if I would have known okay this is going to take 20 years and I would have embraced that when I was you know 20 years old I would have planned for that and been in a different position even yet today just by back engineering those those pieces so um, I would say that was you know the bit one is just being the best in the room for what you do Two is his understanding the time that, you know, the commitment and embracing that and planning for it. Not trying to get something done inside of a year, two, three. I'm not saying you shouldn't work diligently or quickly, but just accept that it's going to take a while, especially on big ticket clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and third is really working um, to craft and refine the foundation of your message, of your pitch, um, you know, getting the content together, getting the systems together in your business before you go out and start raising your profile. That's one of the, the biggest ones I see, um, especially like consulting clients, uh, actually consulting uh, companies and firms. They want to go out and consult. They want to do that thing, but they, and they're, they're very good at connecting with people. They can get their profile up. They're on stage. They're speaking. They're doing all these things, but they're not getting the traction on the back end, and that's, that's really the reason. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can tell you right now that if you ever started a, a podcast I would want to listen to it because you are a wealth of wisdom, Andre. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, um, how can people reach you if they want to work with you or learn from you or maybe be, become involved in the Factory 114? What's the best web address uh, to find you? Um, best web address, um, oddly enough, is Instagram anymore. Um, I know it's not our web address, but Instagram handle is Andre underscore Hampton. Okay. Um, site is streamscapital.com and of course uh, my personal site is andrehampton.com okay all right andre it has been a pleasure to speak with you this morning and to learn from you and you got to keep your promise now you're gonna come something for me right (laughs) i'm gonna come do it absolutely i will be there absolutely all right thank you so much andre have a wonderful day out there in florida thank you thanks for tuning in to the big ticket clients podcast For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm.